Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. mass expansion of testing. Today I can announce to the House that everyone aged five and over with symptoms is now eligible for a test. China's under pressure. A growing number of countries are calling for an independent inquiry into the origins of the novel coronavirus. And is the mosh pit a thing of the past? This is coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis. The UK is seeing a definite and sustained decline in cases and the number of deaths is consistently falling. Foreign Secretary Dominic Raab confirmed the downward trend as he warned the country to avoid a second peak by sticking to the rules. On Monday, government figures showed another 160 people in the UK had died with the virus in all settings. It follows the government's announcement that everyone aged five and over with coronavirus symptoms in the UK will now be eligible for a test. Over 100,000 tests were carried out on Sunday and the health secretary told MPs capacity is growing every day. We'll continue to prioritise access to tests for NHS and social care patients, residents and staff. And as testing ramps up towards our new goal of total capacity of 200,000 tests a day, ever more people will have the confidence and certainty that comes with an accurate test result. The Telegraph's deputy political editor, Anna Mihailova, says the expansion of testing will primarily help those who can't work from home. It is significant in that it may boost confidence for people who are now being encouraged to go back to work. Previously, only key workers and people in a certain set of industries were allowed tests. However, although this may help Boris Johnson get it to his target of 200,000 tests a day by the end of the month, this testing target is not as significant as, as the previous one of trying to get to 100,000 tests, which was purely boosting capacity, which wasn't there. Now, the much more important focus should be building a contact tracing system where if there are localised outbreaks, it would be much easier to re-identify those people who are infected and contain the spread of the virus without having to reimpose another national lockdown. So far, it looks like the contact tracing system has been delayed. Today we were told that even though 21,000 contact tracers have now been recruited, the app rollout, which is the NHS, uh, the NHS app trial being conducted in the Isle of Wight and was meant to be rolled out to the rest of the UK gradually in mid-May, has now been delayed by a few weeks. That is the best way, as we've seen from other examples in countries such as South Korea, 
of, of containing this virus. Other important things to focus on are speeding up the time that tests take to return results and also developing antibody tests. So while opening up eligibility is welcome, uh, in the grand scheme of things, it isn't going to help in the fight of the virus as much as those other methods. Loss of taste and smell has been defined as one of the key symptoms of coronavirus under new government guidance. Until now, people in the UK have only been told to self-isolate if they have a continuous cough or a fever. It follows warnings from Professor Tim Spector, the lead author of research in the field at King's College London, that as many as half of people with COVID-19 could suffer loss of smell or taste. But on Monday, Deputy Chief Medical Officer Jonathan Van Tam said loss of the senses was very rarely the only sign of COVID-19 and the vast majority of people would have also experienced the symptoms already listed. Just before the lockdown, I spoke to a listener called Tara on this podcast. She was experiencing anosmia. It was back when experts were already urging UK scientists to officially recognise it as a symptom. At the time, she was living with her cousin who developed a fever. And earlier, I caught up with her. Unfortunately, not much had changed. I have now lost my sense of smell and taste for nine weeks and counting. I've kind of been putting it to the back of my mind, um, given the global pandemic and there's more important things uh, going on in the world. But it's horrible to lose your smell and taste. It's quite worrying. So I am taking action from this week. And I am going to do things like smell training. I've heard that ENT specialists can give steroids. So I'm hopeful that it will come back at some point. Yes, I have had no smell or taste for nine weeks. Poor Tara. Tara is also a food blogger. So that symptom is particularly unfortunate. Sarah Newey is the Telegraph's global health security reporter. She says the announcement will come as a significant relief to many experts. Anecdotal evidence that the coronavirus could deprive people of their taste or smell started to emerge at least two months ago, and some other countries quickly updated guidance. By the end of March, France was advising any citizen who had these symptoms to stay at home, even if they didn't have a fever or cough. The UK has said that experts were looking into the link and taking it seriously, but it's faced consistent criticism that its case definition is too narrow, which has led to mild cases that could still be driving transmission go undetected. Since March, evidence that coronavirus sufferers will experience a loss of taste or smell has only mounted, causing both the World Health Organization and the Centers for Disease Control in the US to add the symptoms to their official list. There's also been some pretty substantive evidence from the UK from an app developed by King College London to track coronavirus symptoms. Research has found that roughly 65% of some 7,000 users who tested positive for COVID-19 reported a loss of smell and taste, making this the strongest single predictor of whether a patient is suffering from an infection. So with all this in mind, perhaps it's unsurprising that some ear, nose and throat doctors have called the latest guidance better late than never. China says it supports a comprehensive evaluation of the global response to the coronavirus, but only after the pandemic has been brought under control. It's facing a growing chorus of calls for an independent inquiry into the origins of the virus, an idea welcomed by the Director General of the UN's health agency. The UK joined more than 120 nations in backing a draft resolution to initiate an impartial inquiry to identify how the virus passed into humans. Sophia Yan reports from Beijing. 
A growing number of countries are calling for an independent inquiry into the origins of the novel coronavirus. Leading up to the World Health Organization Assembly this week, many nations had already criticized China's silencing of whistleblowers and questioned the infection and death tolls reported by the country's health authorities. An investigation is largely aimed at getting to the bottom of all this and to gain a better understanding of how the virus jumped to humans. Findings can help countries prepare for future pandemics. But China has largely resisted the idea of a probe. While Beijing has said it would support an investigation at, quote, an appropriate time, without hinting when that could be, it's easy to see how an investigation could be postponed indefinitely. The concern for Beijing is the risk that China's global image will be further battered on the world stage. Critics have said China must take responsibility for its role in the pandemic given a botched initial response, which included reassuring that all was under control, a message that likely seeded complacency in other nations, rendering them underprepared for the crisis. What also hasn't helped are China's strong-arm tactics to win diplomatic brownie points by reshaping the narrative, painting itself a global savior for having bought the world time. In doing so, China has alienated nations, even ones that were before interested in building a better relationship. So Beijing continues to hit back, blaming nations for insisting on an investigation over political reasons, going so far as to say that the U.S. is merely using China as a scapegoat for its own poor handling of the outbreak. If sticky floors and sweaty crowds rather turn you off the idea of heading to a rock concert, the future of live music might be looking rather brighter for you. The first big socially distanced concert is set to take place in the United States this week. Up to 230 people will attend the show by blues rock musician Travis McCready in Arkansas, one of the earlier US states to ease lockdown restrictions. That's only one-fifth of the venue's capacity. Those attending will wear masks, have their temperature taken on arrival and groups will be kept six feet apart. It's news that might make one listener envious. Ollie from Manchester got in touch to ask how and when concerts might resume in the UK. Ollie, live streams just aren't the same, are they? Well, to help you get some answers, I asked our music critic, Neil McCormick, what we know about the timetable for the return of live music. Hi, Ollie. Thanks for the question, which has been preying on every music lover's mind. Unfortunately, there's no easy answer. And the truth is there's no obvious or agreed timetable for a return of live music in the UK. I'm pretty sure it won't be this year, though. Given that the whole point of a concert is packing into enclosed spaces with fellow fans to share the atmosphere of a performance, it's very hard to see how music venues can adapt to social distancing. Never mind, most venues couldn't make a profit operating at, say, 30% capacity. The festival season this year has been a write-off. And over 80% of the UK's live venues are at risk of permanent closure. That's a shocking figure. It's like wiping out almost the entire grassroots of the live music industry. So without government help, specifically in terms of a rent pause, the live scene is facing catastrophe. On the plus side, Live Nation, one of the biggest promoters, are talking about resuming tours next year, even if they're not sure how. I have no doubt some venues and even festivals will find ingenious methods of staging socially distanced gigs. There was a drive-in gig in Denmark last week, but that feels like a gimmick rather than a solution. Still, I can imagine some small local scenes thriving, driven by individual entrepreneurs, small venues, acoustic shows, places where it's possible to manage crowd control effectively But until a vaccine is developed, which we can only hope is sooner rather than later, I'm not pinning my hopes on a return to Glastonbury in 2021. A lot of promoters are already turning their thoughts to 2022 
So I'd love to say music will find a way, but right now, no one knows what that way might be. If you have a question you'd like us to answer on the show, record yourself asking it on a voice memo on your mobile phone and I'll put it to one of our experts or do as Ollie did and send me an email. The address is coronaviruspodcast at telegraph.co.uk. This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis and I'll have your next update on Tuesday evening. In the meantime, head to telegraph.co.uk slash audio where you can trial a seven-day subscription to The Telegraph completely free. 